0: Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and a director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And I'm really excited today because today I have two experts who knew each other, were really good friends and went through a divorce together and then formed a company, The Ex-Experts. So let me introduce you to them. First, we have Jessica Klingbaum. She's the mom of two, and she's living life happily after divorce. She spent 22 years as an Emmy-nominated network news television producer, working her way up through the business until she was launching and running her own shows. And T.H. Irwin, who's a mom of three, also happily divorced and living her best life Her fields of expertise are experiential marketing strategy and the new business development for traditional media companies. Welcome, Jessica and TH. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank
1: you so much for having us. Thank you. We are excited to talk to you today.
0: And, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, sometimes really good friends get pregnant at the same time, get married at the same time. In fact, that happened to me with with my best friend, you know, going through a lot of the planning and a a lot of the excitement all together. But the two of you ended up getting divorced at the same time. So how did that help you and how were your divorces alike and how were they different? Tell us about that. Who would like to go first? I
1: just want to say one thing. It's actually the trifecta. We got gonna, engaged a month gonna, apart. Gonna,
2: gonna, all those <laughs> we got
1: married a month apart. We had our boys a week apart, and then we separated a week apart. So, so
0: yeah, that's really interesting. Amazing. Path.
1: Yeah, we've been on the same path for quite a long time.
0: Yeah. Right. So what's that been like? And and what were the what were the similarities and what were the differences?
2: I think that this is Jessica. I think that the similarities were really probably only the timeline. Our husbands were very, very different. But we had known each other basically since college because my first husband and Th were best friends from high school. And he and I met in college. So I had met her at a party in college when she had come up to visit. And then when I graduated, they had already been living in the city. So I moved into the city for grad school and we just all started hanging out together and became best friends. Our husbands were best friends. We were best friends. And as she said, we did all those things together. We would travel together as couples, go on vacations together. But I feel like, and we have somewhat similar personalities, but in terms of our marriages, they were very, very different because we were married to totally different people. But I don't think that we even realized that at the time because we were super young when we got married. I was 23, Teach was 25. And we just didn't, I think, talk about, you know, kind of like the things that were going wrong. I don't know how to explain it other than, I think, for for and she can tell you herself, I think that she was trying to figure it all out. I mean, so we spent a lot
1: of time together as couples, as families. But like Jessica said, our husbands were very, very different. And at the time of our separation is when we realized how very different our marriages were. Because I, it was, she saved my life the day I got a phone call from the woman that my my husband was cheating on me with. Mm -hmm. And I told her she saved my life that day. Because the infidelity was just what set me free. That wasn't what ended my marriage. My marriage had been over for years. And I just couldn't find my way out. And that was like my ticket to freedom. And for Jessica... Like she said, like her ex-husband had been a huge part of her growing up. It was always Darren and Jessica, Darren and Jessica. And she was in a high-pressure job, and she was not really feeling that her marriage was not in a good place because she was occupied with so many things and probably also not really wanting to face it. So when she got a phone call, so that's also a parallel, we both got phone calls within a week of each other from the women that they were having affairs with, and she was very sad. She was very, very sad that this was happening to her marriage and to her relationship with him. And I just wanted to look for the border. So it was it it was very different. And mine took four years. I was heading towards court. Everything was about litigation, every expert, every everything. He was dragging me through the system. And also, in all fairness, my lawyer certainly didn't help me resolve things any faster. And Jessica and Darren, I think, sat with lawyers twice, worked out their agreement together. And other than the process taking two years, their divorce took a hot minute. Right. So it's been different for both of us. But what we have learned is, and I'm sure you know with all of your experience helping so many people, the business of divorce is a small part of the whole experience. The emotional turmoil and questioning and uncertainty and being overwhelmed and not knowing, that can keep people in a a bad place for many, many years afterward. So we had each other. And that's really how we got to where we are today with X -X experts
0: But if I could just say, you had each other once you realized you had each other. But before then, both of you were in your marriages going through the motions. And for you, T.H., it sounds like Pretty unhappily, but not knowing what else to do, and and for so I just want to say that for so many people who call my office, they have this question: Is my marriage really bad enough to call it quits? And they're looking. Sometimes people say, "I wish he would hit me. I wish he would, because then I would know." And so that's such a big question. I wonder if the two of you have an you know an answer. How do you know if your marriage is is bad enough to call it quits if you you haven't gotten that call yet?
2: Well, that's such an interesting question, because now I've been divorced twice. And I remember with my first divorce, as like shocking and sad as it was for me, there was like a little bit of a sense of relief, like clearly things hadn't been good for a while. There was like, you know, some some eggshells, you know, feelings. And, and I kind of felt like, okay, well... This was sort of not to the extent that that TH had felt it, but like, this is my way of getting out without being the bad guy. And I used to think to myself, like, I wonder how people who don't have infidelity or some, you know, or abuse, like, how do they come to that decision? If that's what you're saying, people ask you. And in my second marriage, there was no infidelity. There was no abuse. It was simply a matter of, I felt inside, deep inside that... I was not happy. And I am a very optimistic, happy person all the time. And I felt like I was dying on happiness. I felt like I woke up every morning and I started having heart palpitations of like being so worried about, you know, how today was going to be and and like, what was going to go wrong? What were we going to argue about? Like, I, I don't, it isn't tangible, but I think that the answer to me, the answer to people is if you are inherently unhappy, the overwhelming majority of the time, if you feel relief when you're not around them, when maybe they're traveling for business or when they're out or when you're out, you know, when you guys are se- separate, when it's easier for you to be doing things and dealing with things when they're not around, that to me is a huge red flag.
0: Yeah. You know, for people who've been listening to the show for a while,'ve heard me say before that I realized in my first marriage that the idea of growing old with my first husband filled me with dread. The idea that mm. my, my parents would pass away, my children would leave home and I'd be left alone. I, I thought, oh my God, that sounds like the loneliest thing in the world. Oh, like alone yeah. in my that's marriage. And to that's me exactly
2: <laughs> yeah, how are you feeling? and and my and I knew that my kids were going to be leaving for school in a few years. And that exact thought is what was going through my mind. Like, Oh my God, in a few years, the kids are going to be gone and it's going to be just me and him. And I don't think I can do that. And I had to get out.
0: Yeah. So I want to remind people that I'm Katherine Miller and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WBOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 530, or perhaps you're listening to a podcast and we're available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with the ex-experts, Jessica Klingbaum and T.H. Irwin about their co-divorce, I mean, getting divorced at the same time and how they (laughs) use that experience to Form a business, the ex-experts and Jessica and TH I want to give you a chance to talk about what the ex-experts is and, and how it works so
1: when Jessica and I separated from our husband and, and you had said it before like we didn't we almost didn't know we needed each other and we certainly didn't know what was going on in our marriages because we weren't willing to face it ourselves so it, to verbalize it makes it real but when we separated it, when we had separated from them, we had each other. Again, divorce is very different. Separation experience, very different. Kids, life, all of it. But we would share stories about what my lawyer was telling me, advising me to plan ahead. Think about college. Think about weddings. Think about buying a car. Cell phone. My kids were eight, six, and four. And Jessica had two, two kids under five. So. We had babies at the time, so to plan that far ahead was not really, you know, something you were thinking about right away. Absolutely. Um, but more, even more importantly, honestly, money aside and, and all that other stuff, we made sure we had plans together. We saw each other on the weekends. We both belonged to this country club, and we would meet there on the weekends with our kids. We planned to spend our first New Year's Eve together no matter where we were personally, She would come to me for Mother's Day, like holidays. We always had each other's back. And as we were going through this, we were both like, God, we really need to create something for women because if we didn't have each other, this would be horrible for us. Like we would be so alone and lost, but we really did have one another to support. And it had to get benched for a year because like I said, my divorce took four years and I just couldn't have it be my twenty four seven. So probably about seven months before COVID, I start tooling around online and now as opposed to there being no very few resources or no resources other than your lawyer when we separated, now there is so much information out there and identity thefts and hacking and I mean, I was like, We gotta do we have to do this now. There's still nothing like this, a vetted online support resource and community specifically for women, but apparently we're helping men as well, and all are welcome to support women. We've got your back. We've lived it so we get it. We tell our stories. We have vetted industry experts like yourself who we interview. We ask the questions you don't know to ask. Overall, the purpose is to empower, connect, and educate women going through divorce so they can have the best outcome possible in their circumstance. And not, so that's, that's the
2: ultimate purpose.
0: You know, it's such a great idea because I think you're completely right that having a a buddy, right, having a somebody yeah. who's who wants to spend time with you, who's going through a similar thing, you can trade advice, you know, trade thoughts. That that is amazing, and it and it's also it's such a support through the lonely and difficult times, someone to always talk to. It's like I often feel like that my clients who are in Alcoholics Anonymous or programs like that are so lucky. <laughs> to have that support. You can, it's free. You can, you know, it. you can go as much as you want. People want to talk to you and, and all right. So you're trying to stay sober, but you're also going through whatever pain you're going through in your life is such an amazing opportunity. So I really appreciate what the two of you did for each other and what you're doing for other women as well. And, and so what do you think that, like the most, if somebody's listening to this program and is considering divorce or in the early stages, what's your best advice for that person given what you've been through?
2: I would say talk to a therapist about how you really are feeling. You need to dig deep. You need to dig deep and, and figure out what kind of a foundation you have in your relationship and whether or not it's, I hate to say it, but like worth salvaging. I mean, in my first marriage, there was no way that I was really interested in trying to salvage it. He had cheated on me. I was out. That was like a pretty easy decision for me. With my second marriage, we did go to therapy for almost a year. And at the end of the day, but it was we had, we had only been married for a few years. So at the end of the day, in my heart of hearts, I really felt like we didn't have children together. We didn't have the foundation together that to me warranted more of an effort than what I had already put in. I had put in an, a significant effort in a short-lived marriage, and I kind of felt like there really wasn't any hope left for, for what I was you know, wanting that marriage to be. So I really feel like the first step should be that someone really needs to come to terms with themselves how they're feeling. I have a friend who the other day I was having a whole conversation with, and she and her husband are separated, and they're considering divorce. And He had been in a terrible car accident last year. And then the day after I spoke to her, there was like a little bit of a scare the next morning. He had overslept. And so it's fine. But he had overslept. And she had all of these horrible thoughts and was like on her knees crying about the idea that something could have happened to him. And she had this total epiphany that in actuality, she really wants to make it work, and she'll do anything for them to stay together. And they're both now very committed to the idea of staying together. Not everyone's going to have that type of a clear aha moment. But just because things aren't going well, doesn't necessarily mean that your first step should be like one foot out the door.
0: Yeah, I agree that that in the first fight, or even the first 10 fights does not a reason to decide on divorce. That's a completely different question than how much you're fighting. Mm-hmm. I right. think it is. You know, it's it's really interesting because I, a, a few years ago, I had, I saw two women on the same day, similar story to yours. Each of them were somewhere with their kids, got a call on their phone from their husband's girlfriend or their husband's girlfriend's husband <laughs> oh, <laughs> and God. saying, you know, informing them that their husband was having an affair. And those two divorces, both of them got divorced, were very, very different in tone and in length and in result. And clearly, you have both a very similar story to that and to each other. And yet, your divorces turned out to look really different. What do you think the difference was? And and why did THU ended up four years heading towards litigation? And Jessica, you settling pretty much on your own with a little bit of guidance. What, what was what was the difference there?
2: I think that the biggest factor, honestly, was our husbands and the personalities of our husbands and, and our independent relationships with our husbands. I mean, my husband was very remorseful when I found out about the affair. And he really wanted to, to go to therapy and try to make it work. And in my head, I was like, I don't know how you think this is possibly going to work when you've been having an affair. but We really still like each other. I mean, even today, 14 years out, I still have people in my life that are like, I do not understand how you guys have the relationship that you have. We still genuinely like each other. And while I think he made a huge mistake and was a total idiot, obviously, I feel like we had a really good run. We were together for 18 years in total. And even though the last two years were, were not great. I never felt like it negated all of the first 15, 16 years that really were great. And I had a vision in my head of what I wanted our relationship to always be, even if we were not going to be living together as a married couple, parenting our children. And so I made a very concerted effort and I had a very willing partner in that regard. I think that he knows that it could have gone totally sideways with what my reaction could have been. And I think that he was grateful and appreciative of my perspective and was a hundred percent willing to follow my lead with the kind of divorce that I thought was going to be best for us to be able to maintain a close friendship.
0: And TH, what are are your thoughts? It's
2: definitely,
1: it's definitely (laughs) who your partner is and what kind of relationship you have. Mine was absent for four years. So it was easy for me to coast because I didn't have to walk on eggshells because he was literally never home. So I was just, I was. it was like groundhog's day for me every day. Get up, make sure the kids are where they need to be, get to work, have them come home, everybody's in bed, everyone's safe, go to sleep, start again, start again. I had built so much armor up so that whenever I did have to engage with him, the ironic thing is, I used to think if I just don't hear it, he can't hurt me, except that that hurts worse because the denial of it and the sucking it up and the lying to yourself is is severely damaging. So he was not remorseful. He actually, the very first thing he said to me was, who told her that I was still married? That's the difference right there. And then it turned around, and he was trying to explain to me that it's actually my fault. If I had just done X, Y, and Z, it never would have gotten to here to this point. He was leading another life in California for four years. So, I don't know. There's a lot that goes with that for somebody who's able to manage that. Um, I want to go back to your question before about how you know, and I can only speak for myself, but maybe it'll resonate with other people. Despite the fact that I was denying everything, I was like sick to my stomach. And like I was saying just now, I was robotic and I had withdrawn from friends and I was lying to myself and I was lying to my family. I don't recognize that person and I was starting to not recognize me at the time. But looking back, I don't know what the hell was going on. So going through my divorce, for whatever reason, he wouldn't let me go. And he was with this other woman. She was already living in our town and coming to visiting day, camp and everything. But he wouldn't let me go. And I wanted to be out. And, and you know that if you have one party that's pulling you through the, the process towards litigation, there's nothing the other person can do. You are, again, like held hostage and kind of trapped. There's, there was nothing else they could do. Three judges, multiple mediations. I knew every, you know, officer and deputy in the courthouse. It was it was horrible. But it was out of my control. And I also had three little children who were not having the family that they thought that they had,
0: even though I was
1: excited to be out. So, you know, to know if you're out, you have to trust your gut, you have to get support. Listen to the to the voice in your head that's super quiet, it should be really loud. It's only quiet because you're keeping it quiet, and our divorces were were so different because Darren and my ex are, are completely different in terms of taking responsibility, being compassionate, respect, communication, all those all those super important things that we all need to keep an eye on. Yeah.
0: I want to make sure before we're out of time that people know that they're listening to Divorce Dialogs. I'm Catherine Miller. How can people find the X Experts if they're interested in, in learning more about you guys?
2: Our website is xexperts.com, all spelled out: e x e x p e r t s dot com. Our podcast is called Divorce, etc. It's on every podcast platform, and we're also at X Experts on social media, TikTok, and Instagram and Facebook. And it really is a one-stop platform at our website, but people can definitely go to those other you know, social media accounts or just listen to the podcast to be able to hear all of our interviews and all of our own tips and information and resources.
0: I think that's really great information from both of you but I do want to respond to this idea about remorse affairs and remorse in my Mm -hmm. experience and I'm kind of giving you like a look under the hood or the Mm -hmm. listener the look under the hood is that oftentimes people who have affairs and, and traditionally men although women definitely also have affairs, but when men feel very remorseful often at the beginning, maybe TH, that wasn't your experience, but that remorse turns to rage at some point. And and it can be a mistake to think that the person who had an affair is going to feel remorseful forever, even if they initially do. And oftentimes my experience, and I'm curious what your thoughts are, is that when that when that remorse turns to rage, There's a lot of blame that happens of the cheated on spouse, not the cheating spouse. And I'm wondering if if that resonates for the two of you or if you see it differently.
1: I will say there's definitely, it's just, um, it's amazing when I look back at like (laughs) the roller coaster of it all. But when he realized that there was not a chance that I was going to live with him again, It was like a divorce honeymoon. You want to move into this new house? You want me to put in speakers and new TVs? You know, let's celebrate your birthday that I was a total jerk about seven days ago. Like, all of a sudden, he's like, super husband. And really, I had to call him out. We had like a screaming battle for him to realize, like, really get it in his head. It's not my fault. I know it's not my fault. And we're done. Uh, we're done, we're done. It's not my fault for the affair, but but that's it. So it was like, it was actually very interesting. And I was like, great, I'll take speakers. I'll take a beautiful <laughs> new house for me and the kids. I'll take it, give it, hand it over. And and then also in setting up the precedent for what became our divorce agreement was super generous. Also part of like, you know, I don't know what he was feeling. I'm pretty sure it still wasn't divorced, Catherine. But, I mean, remorse. But whatever it was, maybe it was the shock of things and the reality because he was living not, he was not living in reality. So I don't know if that completely answers your question, but that was my experience as a least to your question.
0: So in our last 40 seconds or so, what if someone's contemplating divorce and is thinking about whether or not to leave or not, what, or had just made the decision to divorce, what's the first thing you think they should do?
2: Go to XXpert. <laughs> yeah, go to XXpert.com, read up on it. But I think that the knee jerk reaction of immediately finding a lawyer is not the right decision. I think that they should talk to people, meet with multiple lawyers, maybe potentially a divorce coach if it's going to be a litigated, acrimonious divorce, and just empower themselves and educate themselves on what their options are.
0: I right. Think. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much, Jessica Klingbaum and T.H. Irwin, for being our guests on Divorce Dialogues. It's been a pleasure. Thank
1: Thank you so much.